tonight on Unsolved Mysteries. We go head-to-head Season 3, Episode 21 and Episode 22, and the very first, Rumple. co-host crystal and i'm your other co-host robert and this is reenacted an unsolved mysteries podcast um robert robbie yes robbie wobby we uh in honor of super bowl sunday which we are recording on right now before the game Mm -hmm. um and also in honor of the fact that the last two episodes of season three of unsolved mysteries were kind of duds (laughs) and we did not want to spend our precious time uh, committing to a full episode to each of those, we have you actually came up with this really brilliant idea of doing like a tournament uh, between the two episodes to try and determine what the worst, <laughs> not the best, but the worst segment was among episode 21 and episode 22 of season three of Unsolved Mysteries. So, if you can explain a little bit how we're gonna go about this. I will. Yes. Basically, I structured it to be similar to the uh, National Football League playoffs in that we have brackets. Each segment will be up against another segment. And uh, we will go through each uh, each individual segment from the two episodes. Uh, you'll get whatever, however amount of detailed information we feel like giving out about them. We'll decide which mm-hmm. one was the worst, and that proceeds mm-hmm. on to the next round. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- I guess those will be the semifinals. Um, and that would be the quarterfinals. Oh, right, and then semis, and then because there's eight, no court semi. You're right. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. You're, you're, so we're going from eight to four to two. Right, right, precisely. Sorry, yeah. there's no quarterfinals. I'm sorry. Well, well, you, you're probably just thinking because there's like there's sixteen seg. Uh, there, there's eight se- segments, but only right. but there's only four initial brackets. Yeah, um, yeah. I, well, I've always been kind of vague about how playoff like terminology is because, mm-hmm. like in the NBA, you have the first round, then the semifinals, then the, then the conference finals, and then finally the mm-hmm. championships. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, so eventually, at the end of this, we will have the 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 Rump Bowl champion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a shame that we don't actually have the reenactors to come out onto the field and collect their trophy and make a speech mm-hmm. and stuff. But uh, it is what it is. Uh, hopefully, this will be amusing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to we're usually we spend, you know, up to 20 minutes on each segment. So we're going to try and just cover the high level details very quickly. Right. Um, maybe argue for or against um, after we've covered two. So what we're doing is we've uh, Robbie, maybe you can explain how you structured the brackets a little bit. Yes, I I've paired one segment from the last episode with a segment from the episode before the last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's not, we don't, at least in this initial round, we do not have segments from the same episodes going off against each other. I tried mm-hmm. to make these initial pairings sort of thematical. 
So mm-hmm. the sort of like the, the two family reunion segments are going head to head. Okay. Uh, we got, I put the Car- the Caribbean murder up against the singles bar murder. I put mm-hmm. the guy got, well, I guess there's not really thematically a, a similarity between the guy who was kicked out of his apartment and, and killed his girlfriend with the cocaine tunnel, other than those were just the two that I felt were like the most interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we have uh, a GI, a GI who got sick, uh, going up against a baby who got sick. Okay. So, um, all right. I like this. Cause I think the obvious choice, at least in my, in my mind would have put like the singles bar murder up against the, f- pharmacy student that oh uh, yeah that would have worked like it would have been like relationship violence and then like i would have put the sick baby lost love thing with the lost love segment from the first episode where there was do you know what i mean but right. i think i think well, those yeah those those kind of work too like you'd have a baby on baby segment and then um <laughs> relationship stuff. I actually kind of like that idea of pairing up the uh, the singles bar with the kicked out person because then, like, if you pair the Caribbean murder with the cocaine tunnel, you can kind of say that that's sort of a uh, tropical uh, zone thing. But I mean, uh-huh. it is it is it is it is what it is. Our, our teams. So <laughs> it's I, I th- that was not a critique. Yeah, okay, that yeah. was just. Um, I, I think what you've done is maybe you're going to make this a little more challenging, but probably give us more to talk about. So, okay, let's uh, shall we hit our first bracket, and you can introduce uh, the the segment, the segments we're going to talk about here. Yes, the first bracket is we have kicked out killer, which is about a pharmacy student. Um, a very bad pharmacy student and he is going up against, well, I guess, uh, I guess technically the subject is a guy named Raphael Cam- Camarena who owned a business on the Mexican, uh, Mexican U S border, but unsolved mysteries refer to it as cocaine tunnel. So, <laughs> which I think is actually really interesting name. Yeah. There's a joke here about, our uh, parents in the 80s and the cocaine tunnel being there. I don't every, know. There's a joke every, there. Everyone was, well, I mean, there, everyone was on cocaine in the 80s, so. Um, yes, and uh, I've, I've heard that cocaine has made a very large comeback now in the uh, uh, 2010s. H- has so. it? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like fashion. Things right, 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 right. In cycles. <laughs> you're still wait. You're still waiting for for uh, those uh, uh, Empire era gowns with the Empire waist to uh, make their comeback. I, I am. Yeah. I mean, it's really good fashion. Okay. So do do, do we want to so, start out talking about uh, was what's his name Richard Bach 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 Barklage Barklage I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't understand what his last name actually was and I don't know that they show it ever. No. Because, spoiler alert, you don't get an update with this. So, um, very quickly, this guy, Richard Bocklidge, uh, he went to the same school in, what was it, St. Louis, Missouri? 
Uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Shucks. Uh, I think it was. I think it was the I the Missouri. I think it was Kansas no, City, Missouri. Okay, so there's a university there. Anywho, this guy Richard Bockledge, he starts dating this woman. He's a pharmacy student, pharmaceutical pharmacy student, mm-hmm. studying to be a pharmacist. And he meets a woman who's ten years his senior, um, who is getting her uh, medical, her MD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Precisely. Um, She is in her 30s. He's in his 20s. Her name is Tanya. Uh, She's an immigrant from uh, Yugoslavia. Mm -hmm. Um, The relationship progressed very quickly. Uh, Richard, according to Tanya's friends, Richard was really leaning on Tanya very hard financially. He moved in. They got engaged. Um, Her friend, uh, Tanya's friend, Ivan Grigoric, just says this guy wanted the money and he wanted to take advantage of Tanya. Uh, they also interestingly interview Richard's academic advisor. Yes. From the university, <laughs> which, okay. Her name is Jane Lee. Uh, she said that Richard was, he was, he really wanted it, but he just didn't want to do the work to finish his degree. Right. Uh, Richard eventually f- gets flunked out of college. He, during the time after he flunks out, um, he gets starts getting these really violent episodes. Uh, Tanya kicks his ass out, calls off the engagement. Uh, Richard, after being kicked out, starts showing up in class. At one point, the assistant <laughs> dean comes into the classroom. This is part of the reenactment. He comes in the classroom, asks Richard to leave. Uh, Richard appeals the decision to uh, have been what? It's not called kicked out, and it's not called flunked out. They call it. Academically ineligible, right? Yeah, that's what I yeah. said. Academically ineligible. Um, he appeals the decision. The admissions committee uh, denies his appeal. They call him. Uh, they basically have a secretary call Richard to let him know the news. And the admissions committee flees like a bunch of cockroaches <laughs> back to whatever <laughs> corners they came from, leaving the secretary to deal with that. Anyway, Richard shows up quite soon after at the university looking for a certain professor and he's got like a large manila envelope under his arm which people think might be containing a gun he doesn't find the professor but later that day he uh waits for uh tanya to come home he's no longer living there so uh he and he shoots tanya in her car three times Mm -hmm. there's an eyewitness to this and the police say that they think Richard may have gone to Canada for a bit, and then uh, they suspect, this is uh, several years before the segment was filmed, they suspect he may have come back to Missouri. Um, and then Richard sends a basically a nutso manifesto to Tanya's family in Yugoslavia, ex- basically saying he did it and why, and she deserved to die. And there's no update. So that's that segment. Fantastic. Against it, okay. we have... A, uh, a gentleman named Raf, Raf again I'm not sure on the pronunciation Raphael Camo Camarena 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 who is he was actually a Mexican national but he opened a business in the United States right on the border uh, what was it Const- it was like construction or something right yeah he had a concrete, concrete mixing, mixing and construction yes. company yeah and his uh, his business he in the pr- as his business expanded, he built a giant warehouse just on the U.S. side of the border, and within 200 feet of a house he purchased on the Mexican side of the border. 
Yeah. <laughs> Strangely enough, the uh, U.S. Customs, which had an office just down the street, literally, became suspicious uh, of his business. Particularly, there was this truck that would arrive almost daily. Mm-hmm. And what they tr- when they tracked it down... It was like it was going out into the middle of nowhere to like just this abandoned farm or something. And it, it, lo and behold, it was it was smuggling <laughs> drugs. And so we have a reenactment of a raid on his business. And then on, on the Mexican side of the border, authorities there are raiding his house. And the warehouse. They find this ju- this tunnel, this really elaborate tunnel. Like it is concrete walls, electric lighting, with a little rail cart that mm-hmm. he basically would use just to transport the drugs from his house to the U.S. side of the border. Uh, and yeah, he. It was it was really sophisticated. There was a whole hydraulic system. Oh, totally. With the pool table uh, in his house in Mexico. It was, when that pool yeah, t- it was cool. When that pool table begins <laughs> lifting up, like yeah. for a brief moment, he seems like less like petty drug dealer and more like Bond villain. Uh, oh, that's exactly what they said in the the segment. They're like, "This is out of a James Bond movie." This guy's like, oh. Um, I thought I was clever <laughs> thinking of that, but I... Sorry. It's okay. I, I, I need to... Sorry, I, I can't they, be living under uh, delusions. Yeah. Oh, I'm so I'm so sorry that I took that away from it's you. It's okay. Um, and uh, is it... Robbie, is there an update for this one, for this guy? Um, He was eventually apprehended, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, 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 the reason he was on Unsolved Mysteries, because I think this is a wanted segment, yes. and he, they were unsure of his whereabouts, but the update we get is one of those white text updates that says that Rafael Camarena was located in a Mexican prison 10 years later. Yeah. So Mexico had picked him up. And then um, they extra, after he was done serving a sentence there, they extradited him to the U.S., and then he served another sentence in the United States, and he's since been released. Right, right. Uh, yeah, it, it was interesting that this because this is from the last episode of the season, and that one had a lot more cases resolved than the other episode. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it probably is going to. I mean, it is in that we're choosing the worst segment. I think it's probably going to work in episode twenty one's favor that there aren't updates. Yeah, really. Yeah, except for the very last segment. So. Um, Robbie, should we make a brief case for which one of these is the worst segment of the two? Okay. That's, uh, do you, do you have a, a strong feeling that you want to put forward? Well, I, I know which one of these I liked the most. So it's, so that's obviously it's gotta be the other one. <laughs> Cause I liked, I liked cocaine tunnel just because this guy was like uh, low key under the cover of just being a nice family man and like construction company owner was some kind of like criminal genius. Right. Um, like they actually filmed the, they said this during the segment that the reenactment of the tunnel was the actual tunnel that they found. And it yeah. was sophisticated. I mean, it was reinforced. There was electricity in there, especially with the, uh, you know, and the brilliance of having a construction company just on the other side of the border means pr- pretty much until he got caught, he was operating with like, 
impunity to run cocaine because because you see trucks coming flatbed trucks coming and going from a construction company like you don't think anything about it plus it probably provided him the materials to engineer this whole tunnel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah no i mean there's there's a lot of cool stuff in this segment i mean we've already talked about the raising pull table which is just fantastic uh i i liked when they did a in the reenactment of the raid in one of those situations where you know it's obviously less about the accuracy of what happened as to like more just compress it into something that people can watch when the uh when the agents break break through the you know come through the door there's they're immediately greeted Mm -hmm. by some boxes and one of them just like with his hand that's not holding a weapon flips one of the cardboard mm-hmm. things uh, uh, back and is like, here it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the incrimin- as if the incriminating stuff would just be dropped right in the fr- in front of the front door. <laughs> he, did, he barely even, the reenactor barely even looks. But, uh, I mean, so obviously there's some, there's some strong stuff in this. But I gotta say, the... My... It's not like I don't think the other segment was was boring by any uh, account. I mean, just you know, first mm-hmm. off, just in some of the stuff we learned uh, was kind of interesting to hear. I mean, you already mentioned when the committee that was in charge of uh, reviewing his 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 wanting to return back to the pharmacy school, uh, the fact that they like they made their decision and then they left. So to leave the secretary to deal with the wrath of this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. I mean, she's lucky. She's lucky. She didn't. I mean, yeah. I don't know that she ran into him when he came back in the building, but I imagine she would have been the first level of like encounter when he went back to the university. So yeah, well, I'm really glad she's safe. Um, so in the interest of wrapping this up, I think for me, there's a clear segment that is, subjectively the worst and and i'm going to say this because um men just continue to be the worst so (laughs) i'm going to say of the two kicked out killers is is my vote for for moving on i I, in the uh i would i would concur with you on this as much as i i loved you know and just the re like the reenactment of the guy like you know, showing up to the, the class that he, he's not enrolled in anymore and then being told to, like, leave and the way the reenactor, like, storms down the hallway and throws his lab coat. It was amusing, but, yes, objectively, if I had to watch one of these two segments over again, I would prefer to watch Cocaine Tunnel, which means that this other one is the, you know, the one that has to advance to the next round. Fantastic. All right. Next bracket. Next bracket is it's actually our lost love segment head to head brackets. Mm-hmm. So we got the case of um gosh, what what was what was the name of the uh, the the boy in upstate New York? Gary? Gary, yes. Um, we have, uh, this case going up against, 
Actually, I think they both involve very young women who had kids and didn't know what to do with them. God, the 1940s mm-hmm. were and 50s were a horrible time, uh, really. Yeah, I mean, well, well, and 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 seemingly for like two. Wait, is this the baby disease one, no, no, or is this the? Um, um, this is uh, we the the first segment is it's. It was uh, this woman who was living upstate New York. She had a kid. Uh-huh. Um, she couldn't. She could. She she couldn't afford to take care of him. So she she had to like get right. a job okay. out of town and left it with a friend and her family, <laughs> who wanted to keep the kid. But New York, I guess the you know authorities were like, we gotta come and take that kid. So and then this. Yeah, I mean. I, yeah, I think that's, I mean, just to add, we can just make this the recap of that segment, yeah. which is to add, like, um, there, as far as, as far as in the reenactment, there was no reason to think that Gary was separated from his sister when his mom had to go out of town to take this job. It was during the depression. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think a really big theme of the depression that time is family displacement. Everyone, please go read the grapes of wrath. Uh, anyway, so this is just another like issue where a kid was left basically with foster parents and the state, for whatever reason, even though there was no indication other than there were two unmarried women involved in this childcare. Um, the state, uh, inserted themselves said, you know, that, the mom had to give Gary up after three years of living with this other family, had to give him up for adoption. The foster family uh, fought to adopt Gary legally. Um, They wouldn't let the woman who had been raising him do it because she was not married at the time. And they wouldn't let her parents do it because they were too old. Mm -hmm. So clearly the best thing for the child was to remove him from everything that he's ever known and put him in the system (laughs) (laughs) and adopt him out. (laughs) Uh, Because, I guess single moms can't be uh, trusted to know what's best for their children. So that's really fucked up. Yep. So, yep. so that's my, that's my, that's basically the entire segment. Um, that, that is, that, and there's no that is really the entire segment and there's no update making it all the more depressing. Yeah. So I guess the lost love is both the foster mother and Gary's sister Gwen. Yes, we're looking to be reunited, right, with Gary, and and there's no update, which is really weird and rare for a lost love segment on Solved Mysteries. I feel like almost even if it's just a white text update, they usually find. Yes. Wait, no, didn't they do update on this? Am I out of my mind? Hold on, uh, let me check. Let me check my notes. Oh, maybe they did find Gary, and it was just such a quick little like update that. Um, That's a lot of pages that you're turning for notes. Uh, Do you hear this? Can you hear that? I hope I hope those listening realize just how much effort Crystal put in this. I have five pages of notes, everybody, because I wanted to be prepared for the Super Bowl. <laughs> of uh, I just have in big notes next to this segment, childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, Gary, 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 Gary. No update. Yeah, I was right. I'm sorry. Sorry, yeah. everybody, for wasting your time. There was no update on that. So that's what makes it kind of strange for Lost Loves. Yeah, segment. you're you're right. It does seem like that the Lost Loves has the highest hit rate for for successful resolutions. Right. Um. Yeah. the 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 one thing about this segment that stood out most to me was like what when they knew when the family knew the kid was going to be taken away, the uh, sort of substitute mother was taking him to the 
train station because he was afraid of trains, either because of the you know all the sound, loud sounds and whatnot. And I guess to prepare him to make it like I guess slightly less traumatic when the kid got taken away. But she also mentioned how like she didn't inform the kid this was going to happen, which I could kind of see why one wouldn't. But at the same time, it surely made it all the worse for for him. Uh, but yeah, so this is up against a segment that Unsolved Mysteries, at least in when they put the episode out on YouTube, referred to as G.I. Dad. <laughs> oh, I, that's funny. I just wrote, um, from my notes to myself, I just wrote Soldier Dad. <laughs> nice, nice. Yes, so... <laughs> so that's... I intuited that. So this segment... If I recall correctly, because admittedly I wasn't paying too, as with many lost love things, I kind of, my eyes started to glaze mm. over. But basically we got a situation right. where a young woman, uh, Patsy Summers, who was 17, mm. uh, she, mm. what, what, now what was it? She, she met a soldier that she fell in love with? Well, she had like this, um, I th- w- my assumption is she had like this waiting until marriage boyfriend from high school. Yeah. And so they were going steady. Yes. But then during like the summer before her senior right. year or something, she met this guy, this GI dude who I, th- which I think for all intents and purposes, she felt much more strongly about mm-hmm. than her high school boyfriend. And then because Catholic, yeah. Um, she's <laughs> pressured That's to marry That's actually cited as an ex- her high school reason. boyfriend. <laughs> I don't I don't really know what part of Catholic uh, means that you can't like you ha- like the whole thing with this woman <laughs> is that her mother really liked the high school boyfriend or something she wanted to be she wanted to be a good girl in her mother's eyes but meanwhile she gets knocked up by the soldier dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um so so ostensibly what, I mean, you can continue, but ostensibly what happens is, uh, this, the woman who is now looking for a biological father, um, she was raised by this other man mm-hmm. and she only finds out about her biological or this other man, the, the, the this, there's a lot of generations involved in the story. Yeah. This other man raised her anyways. No one did the math. Right. Her mother, her mother was like really depressed her entire life yeah, th- and eventually ends up taking her, taking her own life. And then they, and then the kids find like all these letters figure it and out. like confessions. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. So this woman, what's her name? Jeannie Wagner. Jeannie Wagner. Yes. Yeah. She's working. For, she's searching for her, 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 uh, her real biological father is a guy named Duncan Gilmore, which sounds like such an awesome name uh but (laughs) this this segment actually ends with a really fun update because Mm -hmm. you know obviously they 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 get reunited and they get reunited by virtue of uh, what was it the duncan's wife saw the segment on on unsolved mysteries (laughs) And wakes him up. Yeah, Duncan's wife like did the math on yeah, this, yeah, she, and she was like, "Yo, wait a second, who's you fucking with?" Yeah, who's you fucking with? And he's like, "Oh yeah, I fucked that chick." And then she's like, "Guess what? <laughs> you got a, you kid. Got a daughter." Yeah. <laughs> but then, but then, like everybody was really cool about it and happy. Right. And Duncan seems like like Duncan probably 
really seems like the guy who would have quote unquote done the right thing had he even known. Yeah, yeah, he de- he definitely. But the thing is, the mom, yeah, the mom made this like executive decision to not even tell him and then marry this other man. She just broke it off with Duncan. Right. So. Yeah, you know. Well, I I kind of my thoughts were maybe his Duncan's current, you know, his wife at the time of the filming of this segment, maybe they had gotten married years after the fact. So she was just like, I mean, she, she, you know, so like his relationship with Jeannie's mom, maybe would preceded. So there's no reason to even. Oh yeah. Like by years. probably. yeah, Yeah. So, um, Oh, to be clear, no one, no one was upset here. No, no, no. I mean, Everyone was cool I, honestly, like, Duncan's <laughs> wife recounting how she, like, re- revealed this, she has this glint in her eye. Like, like when she found out, she probably spent a few hours sitting around at the kitchen table trying to think of what the most hilarious <laughs> way she, <laughs> she could reveal this. Oh. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Like, I... Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so in light of all of that, um, I think I, I know which segment I liked the most, which makes the worst one very clear to me. So why don't you go first on this one and say which one you think is the worst? Oh, to- it's, it's totally the kid. It's totally Gary not being found by, by his parents. That's yeah. I, I hard agree on that. But- I really actually liked the episode 22 GI dad segment i thought it was really hard it was it was nice so that was it, that's an easy call <laughs> yeah it just it just like it worked out exactly the way you hope it would right. okay why don't we move on to uh our next head-to-head uh everybody this might be kind of a long episode so buckle the fuck up we got a couple murders coming up one hooray yeah one it actually takes us back to to saint croix in the virgin islands but as far as we know it does not involve voodoo uh, th- this is going to be the murder of a man named jim rice who mm. was a uh, you know, one of those extremely, you know, f- f- fairly wealthy man. I think he was also in the construction business, though, as far as I know, it didn't involve cocaine. Mm-hmm. Um, and he met a woman named, how did, how do you, how did they pronounce the name? Astarte? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Who, she was not born Astarte, though. She's born Esther White. Yes. It, the fact that she changed so the name is even fake okay right the name is fake and it's so indicative of what kind of person she is she's one of these people who just yeah who needs just like luxury at every moment and mm-hmm. this is such a drain on jim that eventually they engage in trying to burn down his yacht to collect the insurance money <laughs> uh well yeah jim's not involved jim was out of town for that one. Oh, was he oh okay. yeah that's basically yeah, he he wasn't involved in any of the crimes. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Because it's it's her and some other dude who are wanted by the authorities. Yeah, it's her. It's one yeah. of her large sons from a previous marriage, right? Named Noble. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> fucking ironic. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but what happened was um, this this segment was kind of confusing because it was told like really 
out of order of time of events happening. Yeah. But basically what happened was uh, Astarte was Jim's second wife. So both of them have children from a previous marriage. Astarte mm-hmm. and Jim moved from California to Kona, Hawaii. They lived there for a couple of years. They had like um, a tour boat company. So they owned a yacht. Uh, while Jim was out of town one day, um, the yacht exploded. <laughs> <laughs> Astarte's son was just there and cleaning it. At like two in the morning with gasoline at two a two a.m. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so so they they so what happens was so Jim and Estarte separate because he's like, what the fuck are you doing? And she's being investigated by I don't know the FBI or something for insurance fraud with her son. Um, they get charged with arson. Uh, they Jim and Estarte separately move back to California. Mm-hmm. Estarte does time for. After the arson thing, which she was never extradited back to Hawaii for, she gets charged with fraud on some bankruptcy documents. Yeah. She'd have forged some documents. So she ends up uh, in a, like, minimum security federal prison (laughs) in California. (laughs) Uh, for a couple of years while she's in there, um, Jim and her reconcile. Cause she's just like, you know, being in prison, I've changed my ways, whatever. She gets out of prison. They move to St. Croix to finally like start their retirement life together. And then Jim is supposed to go have a surgery in San Francisco. Some years later, shoulder surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, his daughter lives in the Bay area. So he had arranged with his daughter to, to meet up. Um, before the surgery, uh, Jim never shows up in San Francisco, though. No. And so this is this is the mystery of what happened. Um, Robbie, do you want do you did you take copious notes on all of the ins and outs of Astarte and in her prison time here? Because there's a lot of it. Let, let me tell you the the most the, the the most detailed part of my notes are are in the reenactment segment when when because J- they. Jim had called his his daughter from previous marriage uh, just shortly before he he disappeared, and mm-hmm. you know uh, the thing is is like immediately after the phone conversation ceases, he hangs up, and the re the reenactor take like takes this drink of a glass of orange juice, and let me tell you this was the <laughs> highlight of the segment for me. Because while okay. while technically you know his depiction is of Jim, he puts down the phone, and so for a moment he is looking in the same direction as where the glass resides, but then like he turns and he's facing away again before picking up the glass and taking the drink of the orange juice. I don't know. I just it, it really it really. It really stood out to me. I just thought it was an interesting choice by the reenactor. <laughs> I wonder why it was orange juice and not like something else. Oh, like uh, a margarita, or even iced tea, or, or iced tea. Yeah, yeah. I guess orange juice really isn't as healthy for you as people claim it is, or you or think. No, it is, it's right? it's full of sugar. Yeah, God. You might as well have a soda. If we're gonna be really honest with I ourselves. don't feel so bad now about drinking soda sometimes in the morning. Um but yeah, so basically Um Jim like cause a star day showed up at an attorney's office 
with mm-hmm. like documents that Jim was just turning over his power of attorney and everything to her. Yeah, well, so she said. So she said. I mean, obviously not, uh, because yeah. I guess what was it that uh, he? I mean, they, her, her son and her uh, had. Well, we don't have a body, so that's the thing. Yeah, but we know they did yeah. it. Yo, for yes. Sure. So, you know, the family, the, his, his real kids, they, they hire a private investigator. He checks on some stuff at the airport, finds out that... Because, like, Astarte's claiming that Jim just book a, went on a trip down to the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's where he is. The private investigator fi- figures out that, like the stuff that Astarte is using to claim this was also a cut and paste job with like with her legal mm-hmm. documents. Um, at the same, you know, at some point during this time, she holds a garage sale where she just sells all of Jim's stuff off, which is such a mm-hmm. dick move. Well, it's also like, if you're trying to get away with something, that's really suspicious. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. I mean, I know sometimes when couples break up, some some people sometimes get delicious, malicious revenge by, sell, you know, doing something like that. But uh, Astarte's claim is that, you know, they're still together. Jim's just off fishing on, on the Great Barrier Reef like like he'd always wanted to do. And yeah. he just never, also, never mentioned it. Also, he's avoiding his shoulder surgery to do that. <laughs> right, right, right. Because, like, the phone call w- w- before he takes the drink of issues was was because he was getting ready to, to go in for his shoulder surgery which he never mm. yeah <laughs> but it's not like you ever use your shoulder when fishing right <laughs> no never yeah. so they never find jim or jim's body uh but astarte does kind of get what she's got coming to you because while they can't uh they can't charge her for murder because there's no body she does get hit with a number of, you know, stuff for bank and passport fraud. Yeah. So she's, and there's this whole like convoluted situation where she's back in California. She gets transferred to a couple of different prisons right. and she eventually just walks, walks out, out of one. Yeah. I, yeah. And then they, and then after the unsolved mystery segment errors, the update that we get is that a viewer spotted her in Spokane. So she was um, extradited from Washington back to California. She served out the rest of her sentence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she was, yeah, she was never charged with murder or anything like that. I mean, so it's like she did some jail time, but not really for. Right. It's like with Al Capone, like he ended up in prison because of like income tax stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, it's a shame Elliot Ness can have I mean, used uh, income taxes against the, whoever that serial killer in Cleveland was. But uh, yeah, the uh, the Cleveland body mutilator, mutilator yeah, horrifying yeah. thing that was. Yeah. Okay, so that was Saint Croix murder. What's that going up against? That's going up against uh, yet yet another segment featuring a singles bar, and uh, we in this case are subject is a woman named Hilda Roosh? Roosh? What was the pronunciation on that? Yeah. Yeah. She uh, she lived uh, she lived in Alexandria, Virginia. 
and met a guy in the singles bar named Gregory Barker, who didn't the mm-hmm. the segment. Well, we don't know that yet. He's a mysterious man. Mysterious man, who the segment said she like she described as being attractive, despite the fact that neither the real life person nor the reenactor seems all that great looking. Yeah, that was a really weird choice. I thought for casting right i mean i mean the 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 the, 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 the real well it doesn't help that the picture of the real life guy when you when you finally see it he has this expression on his face that is just ridiculous but Mm -hmm. anyway he claimed to also be working for the government um they seem to get along rather well and what we have here, well, the the segment quickly jumps to describing how Hilda disappears. She's missing. Yeah. And the police, in searching for her, they, they use information her friends g- give them to reverse find this guy. Um, and it was... <sighs> It was rather interesting because apparently when she went out on a date with this guy, her wallet disappeared, which first thing, first thing I got to bring up. Do you think he, he like deliberately stole, uh, deliberately made, like he didn't like, he did, did he play a part in her wallet, like being lost or did she just happen to lose it? I, well, I don't know because it's really difficult because I mean, fast forwarding to how he ends up being identified. It's the restaurant manager who finds the wallet. He insists on being the one who's contacted when the wallet is found, which is really strange. And if you were on a date with a guy and he insisted on that, that would probably be a, a big warning sign, right? Yeah. But because it puts him in a position to be identified. Right. If he ha- he was up to no good, I don't know. This is there's a couple of things that just like don't don't add up with this, and I don't want to spend too much time speculating on it. But I don't think he did that on. I don't think he lifted the wallet okay. and then left it at the restaurant. I think this is just a bad coincidence. Okay. but it's weird that he put himself in a position to be, to be contacted. To be contacted about it. Yes. Well, I mean, what they it's kind of interesting because when the wallet's found and he's contacted. At least in the reenactment, they kind of play it where, like, you know, he goes in to collect the wallet, and he seems a little hesitant at first when she asks for his driver's license or something, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. here's here's where things get really crazy, because in order to, like... Because the woman, you know, kind of forgot all the details about this guy. So in order to figure... to try to piece things together, they use hypnosis, yeah, I know. And my God, if it this this is like one circumstance where it apparently works. I mean, and I was incre- I yeah, I guess it did. Yeah, <laughs> I'm incredulous because I mean they they knew enough that like they knew the apartment complex he lived in, but like apparently they they were able to use this to narrow it down and figure out who he was because she, you know the hip, hip, hypnosis person. He got he he extrapolated the guy's phone number or what was would be close to the phone number, but and and this is where I was still incredulous because the hypnosis guy was telling the cops, "Look, you know, it's not going to be a precise number. You're going to have to fidget around with some of these digits." 
And my thought was like, he just pulled out a number from this woman that, you know, and it's just like, Mm -hmm. like, like maybe like all seven digits need to be fidgeted with. And you, you, you could still claim like, Oh, you know, you know, they're all only like one or two off. So, um, but no, apparently according to police, it was almost precise, right? Like the, yeah. And they, they, their reference point is they had done a huge document search of like lease agreements in the area. So they had pulled like 30,000 pages of documents and then they narrowed it down to 32 people. They thought it could be. So the phone number is the thing that like was the hit that they were able to match it with this guy, Gregory Barker. Yeah. And which <laughs> I'm dubious. I, I still, yeah. Like really, I mean, and I, I'm not, I don't want to make light of, cause we're dealing with a segment involving a, a, a woman having been murdered, but I mean, I feel like the biggest unsolved mystery in the of all of this is what actually happened with that that hypnosis session. I just, I'm, I just, I can't believe it. I, this is crazy. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And I, and so the, the update that we get is that Gregory is located. Gosh, it's somewhere. I feel like it's Spokane again. That's not yeah. right. It's like everyone gets picked up in Spokane or like Scottsdale or Arizona. <laughs> oh, it was Phoenix. Yeah, he's arrested in Phoenix. Well, you know, if you want a, a new beginning to rise from the ashes, where else are you going to go? Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think th- there was some conjecture on the cops part in this too that they thought he might be a serial killer. I thought that was probably taking it a little too far. Yeah. Because I don't think a serial killer, someone who, I don't think he had intent to murder okay. this woman. I think I think he showed up at her apartment. Okay. I think he was a sketchy dude because there was no signs of forced entry or anything like yeah. that. Um, but he did assault her and murder her. So I think, um, I think it probably wasn't that premeditated. Otherwise, he wouldn't have put his phone number up and contact information for when she lost her wallet. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And so how do you feel about also the, the hypothesis that gets thrown around that he, after having read so many spy novels, he, his mind had degenerated to the point where he thought he was a spy. <laughs> a spy. <laughs> I, I mean, there's like, like the cops were throwing a lot of flavor into this that I think maybe was not accurate. They didn't have any evidence for. Okay. I, I'm I'm also I was very suspect because um because this guy Gregory gets picked up in Phoenix and he's and the white text update that we get is that he's convicted of first degree murder and sent to prison for sixty years. I sure as shit that hope they had more evidence than just a bartender's <laughs> hypnotically recovered memory of what happened to be his phone number. This 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 wanted segment. Uh, paves the groundwork for a final appeal segment where guys like I yeah, got convicted I of murder because of 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 hypnosis. Yeah, I mean that's literally the only evidence they present to connect whoever this mystery man was to this other man, Gregory Barker. So I'm going to assume the cops probably had more, or he confessed or something. There was physical evidence. I don't. Or know. like the in one of our previous cases where a spirit medium like helps lead to the killer and the killer like blurts out pretty much an entire confession before finding out 
what led the cops to him. Maybe they picked him up and he just confessed, <laughs> not not realizing <laughs> just how flimsy. Like I I don't know. I, I I'm sure. I, actually, in reality, I, I I concur with you. They probably had physical evidence, maybe their fingerprints and all sorts of other stuff. But it is just sort of wild that hypnosis was the thing that that was the big break in the case. Um, yeah. So of these of these two, which I mean, this this is tough because these are both I think really compelling segments. But of these two, which one do you think is like the worst one between Saint Croix murder, Jim Rice disappearance, and Gregory Barker? God. Um... You know, it's difficult for me because I kind of like them both. Uh, we're we're talking like we're talking hypnosis versus orange juice here. That's the sort of that's what it comes mm-hmm. down to, I guess. I guess there was like enough twists and turns with the singles bar murder that that's the one I would rewatch if I if you know I was just looking for some inter- entertainment. So I'm gonna I'm gonna move Caribbean murder on. T- my vote is for Caribbean murder onto the next round, but it is uh, it is a it is a very reluctant vote because I like that one too. What do you think? Uh, I I mean I'm gonna have to disagree with you on this. Okay. One. Because Caribbean murder is pretty much an A to Z tale. We know what happened. Unfortunately, it. it even though the uh, this woman is starting goes to prison, her son who probably actually did the murder mm-hmm. doesn't. So it doesn't feel as satisfying, but because of the way that unsolved mysteries presented the case against Gregory Barker, I'm really left to believe that a man was sentenced to <laughs> 60 years in prison because, <laughs> and so, and that I'm saying it's the worst segment, not, maybe because of the case that was presented, but because of the information that unsolved mysteries may have left out and the update. Okay. So, so we'll, I'm, I we'll mean, move. does that square with you? Yeah, yeah, no, that, that, that's, that's fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll move single, single bar, singles bar murder into the next round. Um, okay. Are you okay with that? Uh, yeah, no, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like I said, it, it was a tough call for me. So I'm kind of glad that you're kind of, Allowing me to escape out of actually having to feel guilty about choosing one or the other. <laughs> so our next bracket. Okay, so Death Valley, California. We open a fishing game warden discovers a very nice old timey fifties car. Um one of, this is this erroneous, weird detail they that Stack mentions in the opening to this, which is that it was 120 degrees. <laughs> I, that was that was the the thing that stuck out in my mind more than anything was was that figure. That is hot. That I mean, for Death Valley, maybe that's not that hot. But like, what the hell was that fishing game warden doing in around pre air conditioning and cars? <laughs> Seriously. Is this was he just like the hardest man alive? This dude. Chris, anyway, they were just, they were hard people back then, Crystal. I, I mean, when when when, I when guess, you I guess when so. you when you experienced having to give away your first two or three kids because of the Great Depression. <laughs> Good lord! Good lord! Oh. Uh, 
Well, anyway, this isn't a story about a hard as fuck fishing game <laughs> warden. It is a story about the disappearance of Paul Whipkey. Um, so the deal with Paul Whipkey is this: uh, he he uh, disappeared um, from Fort Ord, which um, Unsolved Mysteries doesn't tell us where in California that is, but I'm going to tell you because I looked it up. Cool. It's up near Monterey, California. Cool. So this is important because that is a very different direction. Than Death Valley. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was so vague on the ge- geography that did that didn't even stand out to me. Mm-hmm. So, but that that's good to know. That puts that puts a new spin on this for me. Yeah. So here's the deal. Paul Whipke. He he. The last time anybody saw him uh, at Fort Ord was he was leaving in plain clothes and his own vehicle uh, from the base, and he said, "I'm going to go to Monterey." So and I really wish they had brought this up in the segment, but Monterey from Fort Ord is very close. It's like a 10 minute drive. Mm-hmm. Um, Death Valley is in Southern California. It's in the Eastern part of Southern California. It is completely the opposite direction and many hundreds of miles away from where he started. So that's important. The uh, second to last people that see him alive, uh, Paul Whipkey are, um, he checked into a motel that night in Mojave, California, mm-hmm. uh, and he bought some gas. So there's some receipts. Um, many months after the fact, uh, or a month after the fact, we don't really know. I don't really know between when he disappeared and when the car was found by Fish and Game. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the time frame is, but it's probably a couple of months. So... Uh, Anyway, we're getting most of this information the point of view of Paul's brother, whose name I didn't catch. Paul's like... So the army tells us that Paul is a deserter. At first, he was classified as absent without leave. Yes. And then he was classified as a deserter. Brother's saying, this is all fake news. Brother's like, I don't... No. Fake news. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's not what happened. Paul wouldn't have done that. Paul was very dedicated to his job. Um, that seems to be this, the story we get from... Paul's commanding officer, right? We got a cur- we got base. a colonel vouching for him, so yeah. yeah. Um, so making a very convoluted story short, a couple of months prior to Paul going off base, he was seen several times with some plainclothes G-men mm-hmm. uh, talking with them. Um, there was speculation on both the brothers' part and the colonel's part that he was being recruited into the CIA or Army Intelligence. Yeah. So obviously that's not something he could discuss. Uh, and also with uh, when they found his car, there was a pile of cigarette butts by it. Um, Paul didn't smoke. Uh, no body was ever recovered. Further, a farmer or rancher down in Death Valley, four weeks after Paul's disappearance, saw somebody driving Paul's car that was in an army uniform, so he says. And um, the brother didn't even follow, find, find out about the car being discovered until like nine months after Paul had disappeared. Yeah. The army never bothered to tell him what had even happened. Right. And it was only because the brother called the base for some other reason that he found in, found out incidentally, and that was class quote unquote classified information that they found. Yeah, didn't the, like that the person who, who didn't the person who told him uh, via phone about that like they realized they they had effed up and like oh sh- shit shit you can't tell anyone that right right Crystal are wait wait are you saying that you believe that he that the the CIA theory is is, is correct no oh okay. 
<laughs> I'm saying I'm saying that there's a lot of I think there's a lot of ways that you could come to some conclusions. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a very strange coincidence with one of uh, Paul Whipke's good friends from the base uh, died 11 days after quote unquote died 11 days after Paul disappeared in the Mojave area in a plane crash. And there was some issue with the plane, the photograph of the plane that the army says he went down in had a different serial, serial number, number than the yeah. number of the plane he took off in. So it's possible. I mean, there's some question as to whether these two men are even deceased, I think. Oh, so, uh, do you like, yeah. Cause at first when I was first watching this segment, cause they talked about how he'd been exposed to radiation, whatever, and had lost all his teeth. Oh yeah. He had to, yeah. He had to have all of his teeth pulled out. Yeah. And I, it's nuts. I initially thought that like they were and this, it was the government's fault. And I initially thought they were setting up a thing where like they disappeared him. So they wouldn't have to acknowledge that. But then I, I mm-hmm. kind of figured, well, that doesn't make sense. Cause they, the government exposed so many people to radiation back then. You really couldn't, <laughs> you mm-hmm. really couldn't do it to, to disappear all of them. So, mm. um, you know, uh, yeah, you know, like I, I don't know. Like, I kind of watching this segment afterwards, I really began to wonder whether him and his friend became some of the first men in black. <laughs> well, I wrote that down because I thought the the G men. What you wrote men in black down? To, yeah, oh, wow. I wrote. I wrote question mark MIBs because when they show in the reenactment the G-men that Paul is talking to I'm like oh these are men in black like yeah you know we the the colonel didn't know he had actually approached them the colonel didn't know what agency they were with only that they were G-men yeah. so yeah damn uh, um the CIA thing maybe makes sense but a lot of people just like drive off into the desert and wander in and die and their bodies are never found. Like a lot of people. You, you, you're thinking that's the most likely scenario? Yes. Okay. It is strange though that if like that's what happened, why, why, why was the government packing up all of his stuff and kind of being secretive about it? I mean, that's, that's the, that's the one thing that kind of like, I mean, cause in all honesty, if I had to put my money on something, mm-hmm. it would be, yeah, he drove out in the desert uh, got dehydrated, died somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like like you say, it happens all the time. We've we've seen it happen <laughs> in, on this show yeah. a couple of times yeah. already. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, regardless, regardless, I think he probably passed away. And I yeah. I do agree it would be nice if this family could get some closure. I just I don't know if this is like an unsolved mystery that can be solved. Solved yeah. here. Uh, so the second segment. This is one of those ones it's not a reenactment it's just pure call to action and mm-hmm. um involves a small ch- uh infant named jerry graves this is out in idaho he mm-hmm. the parent the his his current parents are searching for his biological parents because he's got some sort of mysterious condition that wait no it, it's the the mother is searching for her biological parents what yeah, no, she gave birth to this baby. The baby has, like, terrible seizures, but she was adopted, so she's looking for her biological parents to see if there's any, like, genetic indicator as to what's going on. 
You know, I wrote down like only three notes, and one of them was that was that they were looking for the kids' parents. Only three notes, and I horribly fucked one of them up. Um, well, I mean, it was like literally a four-minute segment at the end it, of um, episode twenty-two, so they so go through it pretty quick. Yeah, so they're searching for her biological parents in order to find out if there's any sort of clues that help them figure out what the medical condition is for her son, who is just like, mm-hmm. at some point they described him having up to like 50 seizures a day. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. And yeah. the, I mean, I guess they're, they're lucky they don't live in, what was it? Missouri. Where if you have a sick kid with an unidentified illness, you, <laughs> you go to jail, you go to jail. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and that's, I mean, that's basically all there was to it. Cause it was just, it was just a four minute call to action. Now I did on the, uh, wiki, yes. on the, on the wiki, <laughs> I do have follow up information cause mm-hmm. they have a, they have some white text at the end where they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, they found the, the parents and right. that's all. Like, I was like, gosh. Yeah. Like, yeah, so? they don't say, like, th- that there are any indications that there was, like, this disease with other members of the family. There's nothing. It's just, oh, she found her parents. Yeah. The wiki so... has a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a mixed bag here, Crystal. Do you want to hear about the mixed okay. bag? <sighs> okay. Fine. Okay. So... <laughs> <Do> it. <laughs> it doesn't really give us... Okay, they found the parents. They were never able to identify the disorder. Her son's mm-hmm. condition did improve. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he actually, but he still, he was sick. So he made it to his 10th birthday. Well, almost. And he died in 2000. Well... Fuck everything. This might be contender for worst segment out of all of them. We haven't talked about half of them yet. Yeah, I mean, That's as unresolved awful. as as our disappearance of our uh, serviceman is, mm-hmm. at least um, at least he, uh, he, you know, yeah. This this was just this was this is. Pre- I mean, even just like just that blank text thing at the end was like. You, you look at it, and there's so little revealed that you're like, oh, gosh, this probably didn't have a good ending. Hmm. So, so, so I, I'm assuming this, this one's going <laughs> onwards, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I think, uh, I, th- I think Dead Kid is an uh, automatic contender for worse <laughs> anything. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of hard to, 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 to get past that. Okay, so we've made so we've made it. To so we're halfway f- through. We're at the semifinals, and basically we just got two pairings now. It's just uh, we got the killer pharmacy student versus mm-hmm. the. Wait, versus- did we talk about all eight? Yeah. Yes, we did. Oh, good for a. God bless everyone and, and mostly <laughs> us. I didn't think we would be able to do it in an hour. And we I thought did it, it. I thought it was a little strange when, like, after the GI Dad segment, when we were having our technical issue, and you were like, yeah. "You know, I we may have to make this a two-parter." And I was just sitting there, like, "Really?" 
<laughs> oh yeah, I just I like don't know how to count. It's fucking sorry. It's okay. It's okay. No, this doesn't need to. Be. We'll we'll wrap this shit up right now. Yeah. Okay. So, so we're okay. so we're at the semifinal, as you said. So we're, yeah, who's we, left? We got we got the uh, we got the killer pharmacy dropout against mm-hmm. Gary the foster baby who was never found, and then the mm-hmm. other bracket is going to be singles <laughs> bar murder versus mm-hmm. sick baby two. Um, this got real weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I mean, looking at how I wrote them on the brackets is kind of... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to post that on social media, too. So, uh, our, Oh, our... please do. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is like, how the hell do we judge this? Uh, okay, so okay. Kicked, out, kicked Out Killer versus, versus Gary the Missing Baby. Baby. Um... um I'm going to, uh, I mean. Neither of them have a happy conclusion because they don't, right? No. They don't figure out. Eh. Uh. Well, yeah, I'm, hmm. I think the one I am, I, that upsets me the most is probably kicked out killer. Oh, interesting. The pharmacy student. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, if you're trying to weigh what is the most, like, depressing for humanity, mm-hmm. I mean, at least with Gary, I mean, as traumatic as it was when he was four or five or whatever, dragged away from his, uh, the family he had known, we, there's a question mark. He could have ended up living a relatively happy life. Maybe. Yeah, Maybe. We Probably we know not, we know so. yeah yeah we we know unfortunately that uh, uh but with the the other segment we have a woman who was killed before she was able to to do everything she wanted to do in life and an yeah. and, and an asshole who sends notes to her family that that's becoming that's something that we've been running into recently what the fuck yeah. I, yeah. I th- yeah, I still, I, 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 and for all those reasons, I have to say the one that's the most upsetting is still the pharmacy, kicked out killer pharmacy student. All right, Dr. kicked Murder. out pharmacy killer student dropout is, is going on to the championships. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's a really fucked up way of thinking about this. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So our uh, the other bracket in the semifinals is we've got singles bar murder versus sick baby two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, oh boy, oh boy. I mean, I guess at least with the singles bar murder at the end, we have a conclusion. A guy went to prison. There was justice mm-hmm. to be had. Um, yeah, but we're but j- based on only what the content of the segment itself. Yeah. Possibly the wrong guy went to prison. <laughs> I have a lot of doubts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 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 always a possibility. Um, yeah. uh, and and putting that against only the content of Jerry Graves, the sick baby, not the information you you introduce later from the wiki. Yeah. It it almost feels like it's. A, a nice ending. Oh gosh, 
Um, it kind of feels like you're leaning towards uh, advancing the singles bar murder. Which, uh, I mean, if we do yeah. do that, we'd have a murderer against a murderer sort of situation. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not picking that singles bar murder intentionally to do that, but just because if you just judge on what's in the right. episode of Unsolved Mysteries by itself. Yeah. Um, I, 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 yeah, I mean, dead baby, like, or seizure baby, like, super upsetting, for sure, and then, um... But the, but then maybe the wrong guy went to jail. But also maybe he, he didn't, and he's just awful and kills women. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I I think I think based on the information that we have, I think I have to stick with mystery uh, singles bar, mystery man, singles bar, serial killer. All right, we got the. S- Are you okay with that? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm okay. I, I'm excited because we got the rump bowl that that you know. I mean, a rump bowl that involved a dead baby versus, like, a killer, I don't know. But we got mm-hmm. we got two killers facing yeah. off here. Or one killer and one guy who's maybe innocent and was convicted on hypnosis. <laughs> um, so, okay. We got... Which, which of these is the worst episode of the two? I, this is probably going to be the more one of the more difficult choices to make in this. Do you are you leaning heavily one way or the other? You know, um, gosh, actually, I mean, I kind of find find them both interesting to watch in their own ways, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I I get so much amusement out of like the kicked out pharmacy guy showing, showing back up at the university. Mm -hmm. Just like, do you think he was, 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 was he put on this academic thing at the end of a semester or in the middle of one? What do you think? (laughs) I I really don't know. Cause I mean, why does it matter? (laughs) Well, I mean, it, I mean, it's really funny. I mean, it's fun. I guess it's funny in either way. It's funny in one way if he just like he's you know he's let go from being able to continue classes halfway through the semester, but he just keeps attending. Like the and the uh-huh. professor, they said the professors knew about his anger issues. So I'm wondering if they're just right. like the first few days they're just like okay, maybe he hasn't gotten the letter in the mail yet. And then it's like it's only after a couple of weeks, but go by, they're like, okay, he's he's still coming to class. I gotta talk. With I the think team. It, it, yeah, I think it must. I mean, it must have been after final grades were posted for a semester. <laughs> so, which is so funny in another way, because that means the next semester he just started showing up to classes that he he wasn't even registered for. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the implication. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I know this is a segment involving a, a woman's murder, but I just like that combined with like the academic committee <laughs> hightailing it out of the office to leave the poor secretary yeah. to bear the brunt of whatever's coming in response. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, everyone sucks here. I think (laughs) in the parlance of our uh, times, this is a, an ESH 
ruling for me. Um, I, I, you know, I think there, even though we don't get any real concrete information about the headspace that Gregory Barker may have been in, we really don't know anything about him. Yeah. In the segment that we're given with the singles bar murder. Um, he's only, he's only identified halfway through it. And we, and we really don't have any information other than what like the cops make up about him being like deluded <laughs> thinking he's a spy. Like we don't spy. have any evidence to that fact. Yeah. Yeah. Um, granted though, that is a little less disturbing to me personally to think about than this entitled motherfucker who thinks he can just roll through university, have a woman put him up and then execute her when she refuses to do that. And then send a taunting letter to her family back in Yugoslavia, which by the way, it isn't that easy to get from a Soviet bloc country into a university doctorate program in the United States. So she's probably a pretty special lady and absolutely fuck that guy. I think my ruling here is going to be pretty clear uh, on what the worst segment is between (laughs) these two episodes. (laughs) I I was halfway tempted to like play dumb and, and see what your reaction would be like like Robbie are you serious you don't know you have you don't have any idea who I'm going with after what I just said no I, but I think I think there's I mean I mean both end in the result of a woman essentially being executed by a man yeah it's 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 equal parts horrible but I think just based on the information we're given in the segments, I feel more disturbed and angry at the, uh, the episode 21, uh, murder segment than the episode 22 one. So that's where I'm coming down. I'm willing to hear an argument in another direction. Uh, I was just interested to hear what you say. Um, do you, I mean, are you, are you with me? Is this unanimous? Yeah. Well, well, I, oh, I, wow, wow, wow. Let's, let's get out that Heisman trophy. <laughs> uh, yes, the rumple where you win by losing. <laughs> kind of like the kicked a, out killer. Is, is there a more appropriate <laughs> tournament for our podcast? Well, this got upsetting real quick. I, I, if there is one, I haven't thought of it. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh. Uh, Robbie, we we gotta wrap this thing up. We've just been right. Yeah, this this has been. It it feels like we've gone through an entire athletic tournament. Thing you ought to know. I'm feeling very depressed. Yeah, I feel like I need to stretch. Definitely. Yeah, I need this. I need to get some wings cooking for my friend's Super Bowl party. Oh hell yeah! Oh hell yeah! What Ooh. else are you guys gonna have? Um. Well, he's making chili. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, there was a woman, uh, uh, you know, uh, who was going to make tamales, but okay. I guess she's not coming to the party. So I'm immensely oh. disappointed. Um, oh. yeah, but uh, I'm looking no. for. I'm hoping for all sorts of snacks and goodies and mm-hmm. chips and sodas. So, chili, some dips, hot wings. Let me just say an advanced R.I.P. to your buttholes. oh yeah totally like i mean there's gonna be a lot of anal evacuation going on uh wonderful wonderful i that's i i love super bowl sunday for two reasons number one the food's 
I, I when I lived in Sacramento, I always got invited to an incredible Super Bowl party at my friend uh, Whitney and Chris's house. They were incredible hosts. We always had a great time. Um, people would just get effing wasted. It was so it was so and the food was so good. She would make this buffalo chicken dip that was just like killer. So Ooh. let me just say Super Bowl Sunday is a lot of fun. I don't give a shit about football. But if you invite me to your Super Bowl party, I will come. I will bring good food. I will eat all of your food. I will get inappropriately drunk in front of your children on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> the second reason that I love Super Bowl Sunday is because it is once it is over, it is the furthest point of the year between that and football season starting again. So I don't have to hear about football. Wow. Yeah, I'm and I'm not re- you know, I'm not really a football fan in in any way, but it's interesting to yeah. I like uh have you have you had to hear about football from people numerous times over the course of your life? Well, um not so much now, but you can imagine like because I was hanging with a group of people that would throw a Super Bowl party, they were football fans. And ah. I know they would be insufferable insufferable right now cuz the Niners are in the, the Super Bowl. So oh they would be just yes! Awful right now. You know, it's it's pretty so. funny actually. The the household I'm going to go to, it's a split mm-hmm. household in terms of fandom. Oh, shit! One's a oh, 49ers shit. fan and the other's a Kansas City fan. Like when? Yeah, I mean we. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, like <laughs> I mean, and they've been telling me for like a couple of weeks now that I'm going to have to pick a side when I get up there. And frankly, I'm just going to be like, look, can't. We- can't we just root for a good, clean game where no one gets injured? <laughs> you know, that's that's what pe- when pe- that's exactly what I say. They say, "Who are you hoping going to win?" I say, "The best, team, the one, the team that plays the best." <laughs> that's who I hope wins. <laughs> uh. Um. On that note, uh, that's that's the end of our very first Rumpel. It's the end of season three of Unsolved Mysteries. The next time we come back, we'll be on season four. That first episode, I won't spoil it, is going to be an absolute banger. Um, we're just going to do a normal episode because it's it's a good one, in my opinion. Um, so if you want to get a hold of us, it's reenactedpod at gmail.com. Five stars on iTunes, please. Um, we have our Patreon. It's still We're still doing it. We're putting all kinds of cool stuff up there. We've been putting episodes up early. We've got another mini-sode about to drop. Um, so there's all kinds of good content there. So it's patreon.com slash reenactedpod. God, what's the other thing? We're on Twitter at reenactedpod. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we'll put, we'll put our brackets, our final, uh, don't put who wins before <laughs> we drop the episode, I, okay, okay. but maybe I'll, just I'll, put the bracket up. The brackets so that and they can, they can do their picks. As they can follow they, along. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, uh, I, God, Robbie, I think that's. Yeah, that's everything. There's a Facebook group, but I'm I'm like not over there. That's that's the fans thing. Yeah. Happening. Yeah. Right? Um so Robbie, do you want to do the thing? People all over the world. For every mystery, there is someone somewhere who knows the truth. Perhaps that someone's watching. Perhaps it's you. 